The universe is like a computer. There are lots of things in the universe, including us. All of those things have to operate together in a spirit of cooperation. They all contain unbelievable amounts of data that tells them how to operate. Or that couldn't happen. Our universe couldn't work, wouldn't exist. Someone had to design the universe's operating system. Without an operating system, your computer is a big piece of useless junk. God designed the operating system for the universe and everything in it. It wouldn't exist without him. I'm Paul, and this is CYKIAE. greatest injustice in the history of the world was about to happen. Pontius Pilate, Jesus' judge, was blackmailed into sentencing an innocent man, the only man who never sinned, to death. There's much more subtlety to this than Jesus Christ's superstar revealed, but then it's my job to give you the real story in this program. Pilate must have sucked in his breath when he saw Jesus returning to him after he'd sent him off to Herod to try. Matthew 27, 12-14, gives us some idea of what Pilate was witnessing as the Jewish leaders made their charges against Jesus. And when he was accused of the chief priests and elders, he answered nothing. Then said Pilate unto him, Hearest thou not how many things they witness against thee? And he answered him to never a word insomuch that the governor marvelled greatly. So Pilate tried to use logic to have the Jewish leaders withdraw their charges against Jesus in Luke 23, 13-15. And Pilate said unto them, Ye have brought this man unto me as one that perverteth the people. And behold, I, having examined him before you, have found no fault in this man touching those things whereof ye accuse him. No, nor yet Herod, for I sent you to him. And lo, nothing worthy of death is done unto him. It was Pilate's job to judge Jesus and not go with what the mob wanted. But he was afraid of being again reported to Rome with more serious consequences this time. It is commonly believed that not long after the encounter with Jesus, but due to some of the matter that Pilate was recalled to Rome, typically for a Roman nobleman, if he faced humiliation and punishment from Caesar, it was expected that he would take his own life, and that is what seems to have been his fate. So his fear for his own future with what was happening with Jesus was very real. The Jewish leaders wouldn't come into the Hall of Judgment because they would be defiled by entering a place of the Gentiles and they couldn't then celebrate Passover. So Pilate was able to bring Jesus with him into the hall. He could be alone with him. He might still be able to find a way out of this. We know that under Roman law, Jesus was a nobody. 
it was surprising that Pilate just didn't condemn Jesus and leave it at that. John eighteen thirty three to 36 tells, Then Pilate entered into the judgment hall again, and called Jesus and said unto him, Art thou the king of the Jews? And Jesus answered him, Sayest thou this thing of thyself, or did others tell it thee of me? Pilate answered, Am I a Jew? Thine own nation and the chief priests have delivered thee unto me. What hast thou done? And Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, then would my servants fight, that I should not be delivered to the Jews. Now is my kingdom not from hence. Then Pilate gets to speaking about truth with Jesus in John eighteen thirty-seven to 38 Pilate therefore said unto him, Art thou a king then? Jesus answered, Thou sayest that I am a king. To this end was I born, that is, to be crucified on the orders of Pilate for the sins of all mankind who accept Jesus as their saviour and believe on him. Jesus continued, And for this cause came I into the world, that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone that is of the truth heareth my voice. Pilate said unto him, What is truth? It was earlier on that Jesus had told his disciples in John 14.6 that I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Well, that got Pilate nowhere. He returned to the Jewish leadership outside the hall, trying to reason with them, not acting like the judge that he was, and free Jesus because he found him innocent. So in John eighteen thirty-eight to 40 it says, And when he had said this, he went out again unto the Jews. John always called the Jewish leadership the Sanhedrin the Jews. And saith unto them, I find in him no fault at all, but ye have a custom, that I should release unto you one at the Passover. Will ye therefore that I release unto you the king of the Jews. Then cried they all again, saying, Not this man, but Barabbas. Pilate was obviously battling against what he was eventually going to have to do, the will of the Jewish leadership, to have this Jesus crucified. Since God is outside the universe and the time dimension, everything is known to him. Everyone has free will, but God knows how that will be exercised looking down from the outside. Pilate tried another tack to find a way around sentencing Jesus to death, to let them see Christ flogged, scourged, and then released as one prisoner was always released on the Passover. So in Luke 23.16-17, Pilate offers them something less than the life of Jesus. He said, I will therefore chastise him and release him, for of necessity he must release one unto them at the feast. With this new offer he tried to reason with the mob of Jews who are now being whipped up by their leaders to demand the execution of Jesus. So in Luke twenty-three eighteen to 22 we're told, And they cried out all at once, saying, Away with this man, and release unto us Barabbas who was for a certain sedition made in the city and for murder, was cast into prison. 
Pilate, therefore willing to release Jesus, spake again to them. But they cried, saying, Crucify him! Crucify him! And he said unto them the third time, Why? What evil hath he done? I find no cause of death in him. I will therefore chastise him and let him go. At last, he's doing what he should be doing. He's the judge. He calls the shots. If you've seen the Mel Gibson movie, The Passion, then you've seen how cruelly the Romans dealt with Jesus. These men, these Roman soldiers, were professional soldiers of the greatest empire in the world. They served for 20 years, plus a further five years as reservists. They could have served anywhere in the Roman Empire, fighting against all sorts of enemies involving all sorts of barbarous acts. The discipline for Roman soldiers was strict and brutal too. If their unit had broken and fled from their enemy in a battle, the unit would have been decimated. Every tenth man had to be killed by the men in his own unit. So in scourging Christ, they were going to be brutal. Mel Gibson couldn't show just how brutal they were. He gave the soft version of what happened to him. The full story of what happened to Jesus in his trials and in his scourging is told in the book of Isaiah from the Old Testament. A prophecy. Here are some of the key verses from Isaiah, written about 730 years before Christ's trial and crucifixion. The Bible, the Old and the New Testament, are closely integrated works written over 2,000 years by over 40 different authors, telling the story mostly of Jesus, his coming, his crucifixion and resurrection, up to the end of the world. Jesus existed before the universe began. The first mention of Jesus is in John 3.15 as the seed of the woman, no fertilization from a man. In Isaiah 53.7, he tells us about Jesus' silence to the charges brought against him. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He is brought as a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before his shearers is dumb, so he openeth not his mouth. We're told in Isaiah 50 verse 6 that Jesus gave his back to the smiters, that's the Roman soldiers who were scourging him, and his cheeks to them that plucked off the hair. Now, let me explain what that means. That they were ripping Jesus' beard from his face, which hideously disfigured him. He hid not his face from and his cheeks to them that plucked off the hair. He hid not his face from shame and spitting. In Isaiah 52.14, translated from the original Greek, because the King James Version, like Mel Gibson in his movie The Passion, toned down what Jesus looked like after the Roman soldiers had finished with him. So marred from the former man was his aspect that his appearance was not that of the Son of Man, you couldn't recognize him as being human. Pilate hoped that the horrific side of Jesus would win the crowd's sympathy to release him instead of Barabbas. His face must have been bloody pulp. The Roman soldiers finished off their fun, 
as it's told in Mark 15, 16 to 19. And the soldiers led him away into the hall called Praetorium, and they called together the whole body. So all the soldiers came from the barracks to participate in this sport, and they clothed him with purple. Now, purple dye was horrifically expensive. It was unlikely that the soldiers had any spare, unwanted purple robes lying around that they would ruin by putting them on this blood-soaked prisoner. But Herod had put what was called a gorgeous robe on Jesus when he sent him back to Pilate. And my guess is that that was what they dressed Jesus in. And plaited a crown of thorns. Now thorns were something from the fall when Adam and Eve were expelled from the Garden of Eden. So it's a reminder of the original sin of man that Jesus is about to take on himself. And put it about his head and began to salute him, Hail, King of the Jews! And they smote him on the head with a reed, and they spit upon him, and bowing their knees, worshipped him. Pilate now brings out the utterly broken Jesus, hoping that on seeing him, the mob would now agree to release him and not Barabbas. At John 19, 4-8 it says, Pilate therefore went forth again, And saith unto them, Behold, I bring him forth to you, that you may know that I find no fault in him. Then came Jesus forth, wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe. And Pilate saith unto them, Behold the man! And when the chief priests, therefore, and officers saw him, they cried out, saying, Crucify him! Crucify him! Pilate has nothing left. He bows to the inevitable, and Pilate saith unto them, Take ye him, and crucify him, for I find no fault in him. The Jews answered him, We have a law, and by our law he ought to die, because he made himself the Son of God. When Pilate therefore heard that saying, he was the more afraid. The Son of God? This man says he's the Son of God? Everything so far has been totally out of the ordinary. And now this? Pilate wanted some more alone time with Jesus. In John 19, 9-11, it goes on, And Pilate and Jesus went again into the judgment hall. And Pilate saith unto Jesus, Whence art thou? But Jesus gave him no answer. Then saith Pilate unto him, Speakest thou not unto me? Knowest thou not that I have power to crucify thee and have the power to release thee? Jesus answered, Thou couldst have no power at all against me except it were given thee from above. Therefore he that delivered me unto thee hath the greater sin. Pilate went out to the mob and the Jewish leaders trying again to have Jesus released. But obviously it's the Jewish leaders who have the agenda to get rid of Jesus and who now whip up the crowd. John 13-15 to 15 continues what happened. When Pilate therefore heard that saying, he brought forth Jesus and sat down in the judgment seat. And it was the preparation of the Passover and about the sixth hour. So Jesus will be sentenced at about midday after being with Pilate and Herod for about six hours. And he saith unto the Jews, Behold your king! They cried out, 
Away with him, away with him, crucify him. Pilate saith unto them, Shall I crucify your king? The chief priest answered, We have no king but Caesar. As I mentioned at the beginning of this program, the Jewish leadership knew that they had Pilate over the barrel. If he cared for his career and possibly his life, he had to take the easy way and let them crucify this Jesus. But before he announced his decision, his wife intervened with Pilate. As Pilate sat in the judgment seat, a message was brought to him from his wife, as told in Matthew 27:19. And when he was sat down on the judgment seat, his wife sent unto him, saying, Have thou nothing to do with that just man, for I have suffered many things this day in a dream because of him. Romans took this sort of thing seriously, and Pilate gave it one last try, as the trial of Jesus now wrapped up in Matthew 27, 20-26. But the chief priests and the elders persuaded the multitude that they should ask Barabbas and destroy Jesus. The governor answered and saith unto them, Whither of the twain will ye that I release unto you? And they said, Barabbas. And Pilate saith unto them, What shall I do then with Jesus, which is called Christ? They all say unto him, Let him be crucified. And the governor said, Why? What evil hath he done? But they cried out the more, saying, Let him be crucified. When Pilate saw that he could prevail nothing, but that rather a tumult was made, he took water and washed his hands before the multitude, saying, I am innocent of blood of this just person. See ye to it. Then answered all the people and said, His blood will be on us and on our children. Then released he Barabbas unto them. And when he had scourged Jesus, he delivered him to be crucified. The mob had yelled out to Pilate that the blood of this innocent man would be on their head, and so it was. Thirty-eight years later, in 70 AD, as Jesus had told his disciples would happen only a few days before all of this, over one million dead and over 100,000 people in Jerusalem were taken into slavery by the Romans when they besieged Jerusalem and destroyed the temple. This was God's punishment for them not knowing the date of the coming of the Messiah. The precise date had been given to them by the angel Gabriel to Daniel 650 years before. Now Pilate was a well-educated man. He was able to speak and write, not only in Latin, but also in Greek and Hebrew. He was also aware that the Jews were heavily into wordplay, known as acrostics. In acrostics, certain letters in each line make up a word that is otherwise hidden. So what happened next was very interesting, and it's told in part in John 19, 19-22. And Pilate wrote a title, and had it put on the cross. And the writing was, Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. This title then read many of the Jews, meaning the Jewish leadership again. For the place where Jesus was crucified was nigh to the city, and it was written in Hebrew and Greek and Latin. 
And then said the chief priest of the Jews, that's Caiaphas, to Pilate, Write not the king of the Jews, but that he said, I am the king of the Jews. Pilate answered, What I have written, I have written. What was it that he'd written that upset the Jewish religious leaders so much? Well, it was an acrostic. It spelt out the unspeakable name of God, Yahweh. Yeshua HaNazariah. Imelech HaYehudim, Jesus the Nazari and King of the Jews. Did Pilate understand that this was what he'd written? It's rumoured that Pilate later became a Christian, but no one knows for sure. His answer, what I have written, I have written, seems to me to mean he knew exactly what he'd done. They were going to get Jesus crucified, and there was nothing they could do about that sign on the cross, testifying to him being God. What day of the week was the crucifixion? Friday? Good Friday? Maybe not. I'll tell you more about that in the next program. Thanks for joining me, Paul, for this instalment of the story of the last week in Christ's life. Next week... On to the crucifixion, the greatest triumph of Jesus. Not the sad story that you might think, but the saving of the entire world from sin if they wanted to take advantage of Christ's offer to follow him. 